0: Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by TaylorMade Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Pride, Two Under, Zexio sun mountain golf bags fin scooters making the game more fun bionic gloves and the Mclemore club experience life above
1: the clouds now here's your host chris mascaro Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. I appreciate the fact that you're coming back again and joining me tonight. And for voting for the show and moving it up on the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for the month of May, we're up from 44 to 39. I really appreciate your support as well as tuning in and being a part of the show tonight. And speaking of tonight, we've got a really special show in store for you. got three great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight. Leading off is going to be Brent Dornford. This is Brent's second visit with us. He is the marketing director for one of the best courses on the planet, and that's Old Head Golf Links over in Kinsale, Ireland. If Old Head isn't already on your bucket list of courses to play, it will be after you listen to this show and go online and check it out at oldhead.com. They're just opening things up over there. We'll hear how it's going. We'll talk about the history of the golf course for those of you that weren't with us last time Brent was on the show really excited to have him here. He'll join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll be joined by Evan Schiller. Evan is a PGA professional who played his college golf at the University of Miami. You're probably more familiar with Evan's work as a photographer right about now cuz he may be the best golf photographer on the planet. Check out his work online at evanschillerphotography.com to see why I say that. We'll talk about his golf career, which like I say included time at the University of Miami plus the 1986 US Open. Also, we'll talk about the great courses that he's had the opportunity to visit and photograph. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from orthopedic specialist and the founder of Pine Valley Orthotics, Stu Sakowitz. If you're like me and you suffer from back, hip, knee, or foot pain, and you really feel it during or after your round of golf, Stu has the orthotic that can help alleviate that for you. We'll hear about that when Stu joins me about 50 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. All right, before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the McLemore. My buddies and I are headed up there this year for our annual golf trip, and I absolutely cannot wait. The McLemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com and check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they have up there. Their new clubhouse and bar opened up last fall. Folks, you got to see this place to believe how great it is. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why they're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themacklemore.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Two Under. Two Under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division one colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance. From the golf course, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. Find these 200 performance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide. All Shields Sports Stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to 200.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two underperformance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA license briefs. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at TaylorMade. And their are TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw, check. Low fade, check. Bump and run, out of the sand or flop shot, check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly designed dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 and TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now next on the tee with me is Brent Dornford. Brent is the brand manager at Old Head Golf Links over in Ireland. And folks, if you're not familiar with Old Head, please go online to oldhead.com to check out what an amazing property this is. I'm sure you're going to be blown away like I was when I first read about it a few years ago. It's a peninsula stretching two miles out and 300 feet above the Atlantic Ocean with a golf course on it. Their tagline on their website is the most breathtaking yards in golf, and that's no exaggeration. Prior to his current role, Brent was a key account manager for Bushnell Performance Optics, and I'm very honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey Brent, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Hey, Chris, no, it's a pleasure and thanks for having me. It's good to good to hear your voice again on the uh We're uh, almost on the other side of this uh COVID thing now, fingers
1: crossed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
1: So, to that end, Brent, we've lived through some crazy unprecedented times. Over the last 13 or 14 months, how have you guys been dealing with it over in Ireland?
2: Crazy times, yeah, crazy times. Um, in fact, I suppose timely and indicative of, uh, of what we're, we're kind of been going through is that uh, now I've just literally got back to uh, to Ireland from my UK base, um, where we actually went for a month um, some uh, some six or seven months ago um to visit my son and family and actually to pick up a new puppy uh but uh, yeah sure enough lockdown kind of uh, kind of happened on both sides UK and here so we decided to yeah, operate from uh, our our UK office we had the team in place over here uh, doing what they do um and myself and my wife were able to uh, to kind of keep in touch with them through Zoom as you do and uh yeah return to Ireland last Wednesday. But uh I'm currently kind of looking out the window at home. We're in a little bit of a quarantine. We had our, our jabs in the UK, then we had to get tested. We took the ferry and then we'll get tested again on uh on this coming Tuesday um when we'll be released back into the community and uh and head back up to old head uh, after a long time. Um so yeah we've kind of obviously been missing it. Uh, but as I say, we've been in touch and, uh, and everything, everything has been going, uh, been going well. Um, I suppose to expand on that, yeah, no, last, last season, um, yeah, um, as you know, kind of everywhere went, went lockdown. Come, come March, we would ordinarily open the course in the middle of April. Uh, but we were not able to open it until, uh, until actually the end of June. And whereas, um, as you know, Chris, we're predominantly kind of, uh, hosting, uh, international guests, members, and, uh, and unfortunately they weren't able to come because of, uh, the, the, restrictions in place. So we had to completely, uh, re-strategize and, uh, and see what we could do to make the season as, as interesting as possible business-wise and, uh, and to fill our tea times and, uh, and the new suites, uh, that we built.
1: Talk about where we're at now. I know you, you mentioned a moment ago local membership and that sort of thing. You guys are just starting to open back up to them. Talk about that. And then when do you expect that the international, not only just your international members, but the rest of us that are dying to get over there and play the course again, when do you think we'll have that opportunity?
2: Yeah, no, we can't wait for that to happen. Um, and, yeah, sure enough, it's absolutely correct. We, we were able to, to open up um this last week and uh, to local members of of which there are only a number, uh, to be honest, because we're we're a, an international club. Um we do have some lucky uh, lucky domestic members um of whom pretty much all of them were playing yesterday. There were there were twenty people on the golf course. Um I guess that's that's kind of an incredible experience for them. Um it's kind of a car park golf if you like. We can't open up any of the other facilities. Um, so it's literally rock up and play, but, um, no, they had a, they had a beautiful day to, to do it. Um, beyond, beyond that, um, we are allowed to open up to, uh, to non-members from, from May the 13th. Uh, but again, there's going to be a lack of kind of international traffic. Um, so what, um, that's enabled us to do is to kind of open up our T-sheets, um, from from the bookings that we had in place, which which would always be kind of international, to give you an idea, before we start in a normal season, where we're pretty much every tea time is booked out and every sweet night is booked out, um, and that would have been the same for this year. But as as the regulations kind of hung in there, sure enough, people have had to kind of postpone and move on, um, thus freeing up times. So the same as last year chris we we opened up to the the domestic market the Irish domestic golfers from uh from the north downwards and um, who were absolutely delighted to to have the opportunity to play old head and um from when we opened in June last year through to October, which is when we'd normally shut anyway every uh every spot was taken by a by a, an Irish golfer and every sweet night was taken it, by golfers, non-golfers, actually, people just coming to actually stay in the suites with their views across the Atlantic and to kind of dine in the restaurants and use the spa facilities. So, you know, with that said, we can open up the the suites on June the 2nd this year. So I would say we're going to have a little bit of a repeat in terms of, like, domestic play um, until we would hope come July, August, uh, we'll start to see the return. I mean, there's still... Still eyes to be dotted by the kind of Irish government, but we're hoping to see uh, kind of, it'll be an initial slow return, um, to international play from July onwards, but we would certainly hope to see, um, some of our, our members who we miss very much, um, uh, coming over from, uh, well, predominantly the US, but also other European countries. Um, so they can at least get to play a, a little bit this season and then, uh, yeah god willing we'll be we'll be back to uh to normality next year uh, things are things are certainly going in the right direction as we know, although kind of obviously feel the pain of uh of some of the countries out there um that are, that are really suffering still but uh, I think the u s and Europe have kind of getting it together
1: so Brent, have you been able to you know keep the course up to your standards and the expectation of your members? I'm sure revenue had to be way down because of the pandemic and, and the travel restrictions. How have you guys been able to keep everything sort of going to the level that you would expect once you open back up?
2: Yeah, I mean but we're very fortunate in terms of the the Irish government have been very supportive of, of industry and the golf industry uh, as a whole. Uh, to be honest, so we've we've been able to. Uh, to access um, subsidies um, that have helped us be able to pay our staff, so we keep our even though we would shut the course at the end of October and open it in the middle of April, we would always in, an, in normal times keep our greenkeepers on uh, to maintain the course throughout the winter and uh, to ensure that it's up to kind of expectations beyond expectations um, when we open in April, and, and thankfully we were still able to do that. Um, including making a couple a couple of tweaks as we always do, polishing the diamond, as we call it. We've made a couple of changes to the course um over over the winter period. Um, including kind of extending um the 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 tenth hole dunker, which is kind of a par five. We we extended that by eighty yards and elevated the green site. Um the hole now measures four hundred and thirty yards to 550 yards but again it's just a a beautiful uh green site now overlooking the kind of ocean it's an it's an inland hole one of our inland holes but you you get views across across the ocean still um and that worked well well ron kirby um who kind of headed up our original design team um probably the fittest mid-80 year old that you would ever wish to meet he was able to kind of work with uh Jim O'Brien, our general manager and, uh, Neil DC, our head greenkeeper and Danny Brazil, our, uh, director of golf, um, just giving the appropriate instructions as to, uh, as to what to do with the hole in terms of the, the bunkering and, and the green itself and some beautiful changes to the, uh, to the tee as well and entrance to that tee. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be very happy to see our members faces when they kind of walk through that new entrance and, uh, and enjoy playing the new hole.
1: So how do you extend a hole by 80 yards on a property that's a peninsula? It's not, it seems seems impossible to do. There's not like new ground opening up on, on a peninsula that stretches two miles out. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, no, good point, good point. Um, but there is, I mean, it's 220 acres, so in between holes and without any crowding each hole very much um feels individual you know you don't uh, impacting on any other hole in doing that and i guess it's down to kind of clever design and that uh, that kind of acreage that that allows us to do that um it's just yeah again i guess the genius of of Ron Kirby and the team that we we have on board um to utilize the space fully uh but also to make sure that each hole is its own piece of artwork if you like uh, yeah, Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's clever stuff.
1: And Brent, for those folks who weren't with us last time, talk about the history of Old Ed because it's a very interesting one, complete with castles and moats and drawbridges. Talk about that piece of property and what the history of it is.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I always compare it to kind of just a whole number of, of stars kind of aligning, um, in a, a kind of one in a million, one in a billion. Um, circumstance, if you like, it was, uh, it was the two brothers, uh, Patrick and John O'Connor, uh, who were born in Kerry, um, to an Ar- Irish farming family, um, who kind of, upon selling the farm, moved up to, uh, Dublin with their family, um, so from a, a a modest background, but two very, very clever, uh, dynamic kind of individuals who then went off to do their thing in uh, in London as was uh as was kind of the nature of kind of Ireland at the time a lot of talented people would leave, uh, whether it be to the US or to the kind of UK mainland. Um Patrick and John kind of um, kept their Kerry roots but but lived over there but would but would visit um Kerry Every so often, um, with their friends, they actually built a, a, home there for their kind of father, their mother, having sadly passed away. So they would visit him and, and, do some rough shooting. Um, it was on one of those visits actually in, in kind of 19, 1989, um, when they were kind of returning back to London that, um, from Cork Airport, that, uh, that their flight was, was fogged in. Um, so rather than kind of visit the pub, they said, well, should we go and have a look at the the old head headland um, that's been on the market for kind of five years? Like John had been speaking of the headland with uh, Paul Mulcahy, who was the MD of Waterville Golf Club. Um, Patrick wasn't so familiar with it. I think John secretly had it in mind that he was going to do something kind of crazy, um, sort of magical, and, and had a golf course in mind. Patrick wasn't really privy to this. Uh, but anyway, they were, he was persuaded to go there. They went, um uh, with actually the, the broker, Dominic Daly, to go and look at this land, uh, which, as I say, had been on the market for five years. Um, it was, it was farmland at the time owned by, uh, Michael Roach, um, the local farmer who's still alive. Lovely, lovely man, uh, just lives down the road. It passed on, the headland had passed on from generation to generation. Uh, but, uh, People, because of the beauty of the headland crisp, people were, were kind of trespassing on the land with their dogs and Michael was keeping livestock on there and, and over the years, unfortunately lost a lot of that livestock due to kind of being chased off. It's quite sad, chased off the edge of the cliff by whether it was people walking their dogs or they were scared of the people walking themselves, the trespassers, if you like. So he'd had enough, put it on the market. And uh, and so there it was to be to be viewed by the boys with uh, with Dominic Daly showing them around. I think as soon as Patrick walked through the kind of ancient gateway, he just said, uh, how, how, "How much is it? Uh, how much is this, Dominic?" And uh, it was actually it was the older currency at the time, the Irish punt, the kind of sterling or pound equivalent, if you like. And uh, it was just over two hundred thousand punt. I mean. Don't get me wrong. There were a lot more punts sunk into, sunk into the headland after that. But uh, Patrick just said, look, even if we charge people to come and just do a walk on here, let's, uh, let's get it. So they did it. They kind of pretty much did the, did the deal, um, there and then. And, uh, so that was going back to, to 89. The course actually opened in 1997. So there was a lot of kind of, uh, a lot of other stars aligning during that period of time in between, um, that, that resulted in it becoming what it is now, Old Head Golf Link. And, uh, and it was John, uh, who really had the drive, uh, to do that. He was, um, yeah, a really unique, um, individual, uh, with astonishing drive, astonishing vision. Um, sadly, John passed away in, uh, in, in 2013. But, uh, yeah, he was just a, a unique individual. I did get to meet him um over over a number of years, thankfully, and uh yeah, just just amazing, amazing what he did. The kind of uh yeah, the people that they met on the uh on on the journey to to creating um Old Head, if you like, and the designers involved, whether it was uh yeah, I mean it was a series of designers. Uh Patrick Merrigan who was involved with Eddie Hackett at Waterville was involved, Leon Higgins, the pro at Waterville, was involved. Um, Joe Carr, um, who was kind of Ireland's most successful amateur golfer and former captain of the R and A. He he was involved. Um he's yeah, again, another amazing kind of individual. And uh and then finally it was kind of Ron Kirby who who brought it uh all together, who was Jack Nicholas, uh well John still John sorry, Ron still. Still living, thankfully, as I say, the thickest kind of octogenarian that you would ever, ever wish to meet. Um, he was over designing Mount Juliet and, um, yeah. Patrick and, uh, and John went to meet him and, uh, and Ron came to look at the, uh, at the headland and he said, uh, hey, I'd, 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 I'd love to do this, um, this, this, this course design for free. And, and Patrick and John was, was like, looked at each other and he says, uh, but unfortunately I can't live on air. So he ended up, uh, yeah, but he did it for an amazing, amazing, amazing deal. But yeah, lovely man, incredible man.
1: And Brent, uh, you mentioned the beauty of the property. And and uh, I have to imagine you've got to have some pace of play issues because for people who aren't locals, I got to imagine there are pictures being taken, selfies being taken. I mean, from every vista that you have available from just about every key green outside of the time when you've only got 20 uh, local members playing right now. I mean, people got to be snapping pictures left and right. I imagine it's a six-hour round of golf because you just can't, you can't not stop and look and see what there is to to view. I mean, it's got to be amazing. Do you have to kind of, you know, get people out there, just kind of give them a gentle nudge like, all right, guys, gals, we, we need to move along here. This round is now five and a half hours old, and you're on 13.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. I can imagine, um, yeah, our director of golf, Danny Brazos, shuddering at the thought of the six hour round. Um, <laughs> but no, what we do, um, which is quite, um, quite unique again is we allow 15 minute, um, kind of key slots, which just gives people a, a bit more kind of level of comfort. And we, we absolutely acknowledge that, um, They're going to want to take pictures and, and, you know, kind of put, put images to the, to, to the lifetime memories that they're going to have as they go around the course. And they're not, they're not certainly not, they're not pushed around, but we have a team of guys. Danny has a team of guys just, just monitoring, if you like, not pushing, just kind of coaxing, just, just encouraging a nice, relaxing pace of play. Uh, but, but just so everybody can enjoy it. And I think those 15 minute tea times kind of enable that and, and everybody is coming off, um, with smiling faces, some amazing pictures and sometimes slightly wind swept, sometimes slightly sunburned. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we kind of, we want everybody to enjoy it. We recognize that not everybody is kind of lucky enough to be able to play them more than once. Sometimes it's a once in a lifetime. Kind of bucket list thing, and we want them to have the uh, the best time ever, and uh, and that's that's what we strive to do. Whether it's on the golf course or in the clubhouse or in the restaurant, that's kind of our thing is to, is to create the ultimate uh, the ultimate golf experience.
1: Brent, after the last time you were on the show, and, a, and another great friend of the show, and a guy who listens regularly is former PGA Tour caddy Andy Leno, and Andy and a group of his friends went over and visited Old Ted, I believe, back in 2018, and I guess after he heard the, heard you on the show, he wanted to immediately come back on and share his experience playing there, and he absolutely raved about the golf course and um what the experience was like. Talk about some of the the good weather and the bad weather what what you guys experience out there on a peninsula into the Atlantic Ocean in Ireland what's it like all the time
2: yeah, yeah, no certainly we can we can have those we can have those uh Those days where it's, where it's windy, but, um, we have, we have a number of tees. I mean, from the ladies tees through to the, to the, the blacks, the course measures, um, yeah, just, just under 5,500 yards to just over 7,100 yards. So in between that, we can kind of play the tees, um, according to the, to the conditions, um, if you like. So, and again, people will kind of, I think some of the, the windier weather is almost slightly more authentic. Uh, if you like, people like to come and play in that lengthy Irish yeah. kind of in, same in Scotland and kind of, kind of enjoy it and the crashing, the crashing ocean below. Uh, but we can have flat, calm, benign days. In fact, I took, took advantage with a, with a friend, um, just before we opened last summer. Um, it was absolutely benign and, uh, we kind of took off. Um from down the road, um, the name of the pub is the speckled door. It's where kind of all the workers who originally built the course, there were no facilities here, would go there and lunch and drink and so on and so forth. So we took off from there in our kayaks and we went around the headlands. So we went around the lighthouse and, and what we did, Chris, it was, it was so cool. We actually, there's caves that run underneath the headlands. So the narrowest part of the headlands. There's caves that run all the way through from one side to the other. And uh we actually and it was a three hour commitment, but we kayaked underneath the old head. Um, flat, calm day, um, multitudes of birds. I mean that's the thing is again, all the kind of the wildlife um that you get around the headland is it's stunning. Um we saw dolphins, we could saw seals. Uh yeah. So to see wow. to see the course from the uh from the from the ocean side was uh yeah. Again, for me, lifetime memorable. And, and that was me taking lots of snaps then. But no Danny Brazzle pushing me along or nudging me along. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brent, just a couple more before I let you go. And last time you talked about how many of the tour players uh, come over following the Open Championship to play the golf course. Are you expecting those guys to take the short plane ride over after this year's Open Championship?
2: Yeah, I, w- I, w- I very much hope so. Um, I'm mean, Keith Pelly, um, who kinda heads up the the European tour is a very a very good friend uh, of ours. Um my kind of son plays plays a bit of golf with his son and we catch up when we're in London and Keith's a big fan uh, of Old Head, and we love having him here and, and I'm sure that he's 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 probably gonna bring along a few players. Um, like I said, it was back in July nineteen ninety nine that we had uh, well, you know, the story I think we covered it last time when we had uh Tiger Woods um, David Duval, uh, Marco O'Meara was here. Payne Stewart, uh, may rest in peace, was was here. Um, Lee Janssen, and Stuart Appleby. So uh, yeah, we've got nobody kind of chat to come now. But I'd, I'd, I'd probably be more surprised if they didn't, because you know the, the the noises are out there, and I know that uh, Keith tells me that a lot of the players who he's constantly working with the players really really want to get over. So uh, no, and they'd be super welcome um uh, it's, it's cool to see uh whether it's a professional or kind of amateur or a member bringing his guests for the first time just to see the look on anybody's face um and i can't wait to see the look on your face chris when you come over it'll be great to have you over as i said as soon as you can um uh, just to see it for the first time it's, it's just yeah there's no better feeling well
1: first of all i can't wait and as i said to you after last time um the course is right at the top of my bucket list. And my next guest, Evan Schiller, has done an amazing job of coming over there and taking pictures of the course. Talk about your experience working with Evan and the pictures that he was able to get of Old Head when he was there.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, Evan's a good friend. He's become a good friend over the years. So we were in touch. No, I think it was three 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 or four years ago, um, that he came over and, uh, no, we subsequently met up again at the, uh, at the PGA show and, um, went to, uh, we actually went to an Orlando Magic game with the, uh, publisher of the book, um, Bill Green. I'll maybe tell you a bit about um, Bill, who, who's another good friend in, in a bit. And, uh, but no, when Evan came over, yeah, I know he's, He's one of the guys who's got the talent to, uh, I mean, it's never the same as actually being here, but certainly Evan is of the caliber that he does as much justice as you can possibly do to the, to the beauty of the course. And, uh, and certainly there'll be, there'll be many, many of his pictures, um, uh, featuring, um, within, within Old Head, the story, the book that, uh, that we'll be bringing out for our kind of 25th anniversary, uh, next year, which is kind of well underway uh now which kind of encapsulates a lot of what I've told you there, plus plus, plus a whole lot more on uh on what brought it into uh, into being. And so the story kind of is there to be read but but just stunning imagery kind of uh from front to back, um including a lot of lot of Evans. Uh no, good guy. No, say hi, say hi from me when you when you when you speak to him. And I, I own a call and uh hopefully it won't be too long until he comes here again. Dave Cannon is an, is another, um, uh, he's actually one of our members. He's another, um, photographer. I know he's got a book on, uh, Sevi Balasdiros, uh, coming, coming out, uh, shortly. But, uh, yeah, as a member, he comes over. There's quite a few of his images that we'll be using, using in the book, um, uh, also. And also, um, Brian Morgan, um, he's another member who's a, who's a photographer. These photographers come and they join. Tell Evan he should be joining. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool actually these it? It, it is quite cool now you think about it. the photographers come and come and take pictures and then they join. <laughs> that's
3: Yeah,
1: a good well, sign. I, I got to imagine that that happens quite a bit not just with the photographers but you get somebody on that property one time I, I you know as you mentioned earlier it's it's a trip of a lifetime and maybe it is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get out there and play but I have to imagine when you are talking to folks and they get the full experience of being there that's got to be really good for membership because I can't imagine that Once you're there, you, you don't, you want to say to yourself, yeah, well, this is the only time I'm ever going to get to do this. You got to get a lot of repeat yeah. members from, from that, from the time they step foot
2: on the property. Yeah. No, exactly. And, uh, no, I'll go back to that. So, so Bill Green, who's, uh, he's kind of the CEO of, uh, of legendary publications who, uh, who again, um, is, is a good friend and a good friend of, of Evan. Um, so he came over when we decided that that's who we were going to work with to, uh, to, to, to print the book. Um, if you like, he came over and, uh, it was a couple of summers ago, Bill's based in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. So he flew over and, uh, it was he, uh, myself and and Patrick O'Connor who, uh, who played a few holes, um. Buil this had a, had a long journey, obviously it was just a case of getting a bit of fresh air, so we just decided that we play four holes so uh, on the fourth hole, which is called the razor's edge, which um, the green site is down at the bottom right at the bottom of the lighthouse, if you like and um, these gannets were literally crashing into the ocean just at the back of the, uh, of, the of the green, like a real commotion. And then, uh, so there was obviously a big shoal of fish there. And so we're kind of, we stopped and we're, and we're watching this happen. And then from below the surface, the dolphins, like a pod of dolphins was, was coming up and getting, getting, I guess it was kind of mackerel from below, gannets from above, mackerel from below. So I think, uh, yeah, complete, well, sensory overload for all of us, but particularly Bill. He said, uh, Brent, when you told me this course was, uh, was amazing. I think that's the biggest understatement that I've ever heard anybody say. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was very, very cool.
1: Well, Brent, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with what's going on at Old Head, and then really start to get a feel for it because your website's fantastic. A lot of great videos on there really kind of give you a a feel for what the property looks like. Let them know about that and how how they can also. Follow you guys on social media.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for that. Um, yeah, so we're at, um, uh, dot com and, um, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram and also LinkedIn. So there's kind of constant updates. We're, we're doing a bit of stuff with, uh, like I say, every facet of the business we kind of want to excel in at the moment. We're doing a few things with kind of, uh, Michelin. Um as in the Michelin guide. Um so there's a few updates on what we're doing there in terms of our, our restaurants and uh and the suites where we're making investments. So yeah, no that's where to be found and of course a few teases on the golf to encourage encourage everybody over as well.
1: Well Brent, it's always a pleasure to uh get to spend some time with you. Thanks for coming back and updating us on everything that's going on at Oldhead. Head. like I say, it's definitely on the top of my bucket list. To see and play for sure, hopefully we get the opportunity to do that real soon. In in between now and then, stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and
2: your family. Yeah, you too. Yeah, and likewise to your family. And thanks again, Chris, for the opportunity. It's great to chat. And um, let's keep in touch and get you over here as uh, soon as we can.
1: I can't wait, my friend. I appreciate that very much. Looking forward to next time. Stay safe. All the best in your family. We'll catch up soon.
2: Yeah, likewise. Take care. Cheers, Chris
1: that is the great brent dornford and again the site is oldhead.com folks brent is fantastic which is you just heard right he's a great guy and the course is absolutely going to be on the top of your bucket list like it's on mine once you go online and check it out for yourself if you're not aware of it already all right before i get to my next guest evan schiller i want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors starting with our friends over at finn cycles it's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing fin cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin for a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all-weather performance, with premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations, so you can rip your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize, check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
1: All right, now next on the tee with me is Evan Schiller. If you're not familiar with Evan's work as a photographer, you need to go check out his site, evanschillerphotography.com. And I'm not exaggerating, folks, when I say this. He's the best photographer on the planet. He played his college golf at the University of Miami, where in 1981 and 82, he helped them to a third-place finish at the Andy Bean Classic, a fourth-place finish in the Furman Invitational, and a fourth-place finish in the Southeast Invitational. And in the all-or-nothing tournament at Athens Country Club, they finished fifth and earned a berth in the National Championship Tournament at Pinehurst, where they finished tenth. He had another strong season in 1983 and helped them finish second in the FIU Sunshine Invitational. Qualified to play in events on the PGA Tour from 1984 to 1988, including the 1986 U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. And I'm honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Evan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Evan, so much to get into with you tonight after I was doing the research and with all the friends. That I've been blessed to have on the show. There's sort of six degrees of Evans Chiller. When I look back, I mean, obviously you're good friends with Tom Patry and TP comes on the show every other week. He's a, he's a wonderful friend and, and instructor. Had Terry Hashimoto, who played at Miami, uh, on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Cindy Miller on last week also played at the University of Miami. Missy Bertiotti, another University of Miami player. She's been on the show several times. Um, and now obviously just having Brent Dornford from Oldhead. On the, on in the last segment, and you've taken amazing pictures from there. Like I say, it's sort of that Kevin Bacon thing. It's six degrees of Evan Schiller here on the show.
3: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you, I'm sure if you did enough research, you could probably find that with a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's going back a long way. I don't know where you got all the. I, I'm amazed you got all the information about
1: my college the college tournament. I don't even remember that stuff. <laughs> so let's start there, though. Let's go back to your days at the University of Miami. First of all, how does a kid from New York City end up playing his golf down in Miami?
3: Well, uh, well, I grew up in Westchester. I lived in in the city till I was about four, and we moved to Westchester. I just knew when I got out of high school, I wanted to go somewhere warm and play golf. So I didn't look at any schools north of North Carolina. (laughs) That was about as far north as I was going. Um, And Actually, I went to Tulane University in New Orleans for a couple of years, and the golf program wasn't what it was deemed to be, so I transferred to Miami. and it kind of, it, it wasn't really planned. I was speaking to a friend who was enrolled there and she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm maybe going to take a year off, take, take a look at what I want to do. She says, well, why don't you come down here and hang out and check, out, well, you know, we Miami. And I laughed and I said, I don't know if my father's going to let me go to Miami. Uh, anyway, so I went down and I looked at school. I liked it. I talked to the coach. To make a long story short. I literally went to the admissions office and said, Hey, What I had to do to get in? Anyway, sent the transcript and off I was. I had to sit out a year because at that time when you transfer, you had to sit out a year. So I just hung out, and practiced, got to know some of the guys on the team. And that's how it kind of happened that I ended up in University of Miami.
1: And Evan, like like I mentioned, I mentioned a whole bunch of players there uh, just a moment ago. But you also played alongside, correct me if I'm wrong, Nathaniel Crosby and Woody Austin, right?
3: I did, yes. They were both on uh they were both on my team. Um obviously Woody went on to play on the tour and the you know, the champions tour and uh Nathaniel won the US amateur, um he won the Porter Cup as well and I actually um, you know, I still stay in touch with Nathaniel, uh, and a couple other guys on the team. But yeah, that was uh that was we had a, we had a good team. Um, actually, Johnny. I don't know if you know Johnny Doppelt. He lives on Long Island. Uh, he was on the team as well. So, uh, yeah, we had a we had a we had a good team there for a while.
1: And after you graduate from Miami, you go on to become a PGA professional, and you played in several events on the PGA tour. Talk about where your golf journey took you after you left Miami.
3: So let's see. I Miami. I played uh, a summer of amateur golf. And again I wasn't um quite sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure that I was good enough to turn professional and play and at the coaxing of my father who said, you know, he said to me, You don't want to look back and say twenty years and regret that you didn't do it. And, you know, and look back and say, Hey, I wish I had at least given that a try And he says, What do you have to lose? You know, give it a try for two, three years, you'll know when it you know, if it's time to either continue or not. So, with the coaxing of my father, I filled out the application to go to tour school um and i you know my first attempt the first couple of attempts I didn't get through uh so I went and started playing some mini tours in Florida um, I played various other tournaments. You know, like, and i and i actually i did i they used to have i mean even know if they still have I think they do Monday qualifiers for the tour event. Was essentially you'd have to pay a hundred dollars. Uh, you know there was anywhere between a hundred and a hundred and fifty guys would show up on Monday. You know they'd all put in a hundred dollars and they'd play and they would take the the full score and they would get in the tournament. And I just thought, wow, this is great. This is a way to get up. You know if you don't have your card, it's at least a way to play. So I just took the attitude, hey, I got one day, I might as well just go for broke, uh, and I. I don't know how many I entered, but I, I don't know how many I got in, eight or nine of them. Uh, I just, I don't know. It was just, I did really well with them. So I got into, you know, uh, eight or nine, seven, eight, nine tour events, uh, through that Monday qualifying process. As mm-hmm. well as, uh, yeah, you mentioned the 86 U.S. Open. That, that was kind of a similar thing, but it was a two stage qualifying. I got in and played at Shinnecock. All right. We, I don't know if I, let's say I played at Shinnecock more like played me.
1: <laughs> let's talk about that because as I was sort of going through and looking at the history of that you know that 86 us open I mean, Raymond Floyd won it Jack Nicklaus obviously coming off as the masters but you had all the big names I mean Trevino Watson Johnny Miller Greg Norman Seve Bernard Longer. I mean all those guys are in that event and it was the week right after the Westchester classic so what was it like going there qualifying and then teaming it up with those guys
3: uh, well, actually, I qualified for the Westchester Classic the week before as well, so I played there. Um, and then, uh so I went out to Long Island. It was a friend of mine who had a house out in Hamptons. Hampton gave me the house for the week. And wow. I don't know if you know what yeah the Hamptons are like in the summer or June. It's, you know, it's hard to get a place. It's expensive, let alone when the U.S. Open's going on. So uh yeah, I um, I remember going out there, getting my courtesy car, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world, you know, just you know, USGA, US open courtesy car. Uh a good friend of mine, Caddy, for me at this house. Uh I'll tell you a funny story. So I went out on a Sunday. Um, well maybe it was a Saturday night and I played a practice around on Sunday and I remember going out early in the morning, hit some balls. And it was really foggy. I'm out there on the ranch hitting balls and I noticed there's a guy, there's somebody hitting balls behind me. And the sound that was coming from the shots that this man was hitting, I had never heard before. It's almost like I could feel the ground, like a little bit of vibration. At least I thought I could. But I would never heard a sound like that from anybody hitting a golf ball. And I turned around and it was Greg Norman, you know, was like, 10 feet behind me, hitting balls, and he's just lacing these things. And if you recall, he led every major going into the last round that year. Right. So, needless to say, I wanted to, I was a little nervous. And then, out of the fog from the other direction, another guy comes and puts his balls down about 15 feet in front of me the other way. It's Nicholas. Wow. So those, those two are going out to play a practice round. They knew each other, so here I am sitting between Nicholas, who won the Masters, and Norman, who's led. Every, you know, I think at the time he was either ranked one or two in the world. I don't know, or he was up there. Um, so I'm sitting between these two hitting off balls. I was. I wanted to look for the you know the, the closest rock so I could crawl under and hide. <laughs> talk, about feel, talk about feeling small. Uh, anyway, that was my introduction to the U.S. Open. Um, so I thought, oh, the first tee is going to be easy now. But after
1: that. <laughs> no uh, doubt. Anyway. And yeah. yeah, and the first round had to be brutal, like you mentioned a moment ago, because all the guys I mentioned shot opening rounds in the mid to upper 70s. You were in the very last group of the day teeing off, I believe, at 3.42 p.m. What was that first round like?
3: I want to know where you got all this information. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I do my me. research, my friend. Oh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was It was an awful day. It was raining, It was windy, cold. Uh, I know they had to delay tea times for a while because of rain or thunderstorms. So my original tea – I don't think my original tea time – my original tea time might have been 3.40, but I don't think I teed off till like, 5 o'clock or something. I don't remember. But it was so late because – I got to the, uh, I believe it was the 13th hole and he hit my drive in the rough and PJ Boltwright came out and said, we're suspending play because it was getting dark. I don't know what time was it dark, you know, it was June. So, you know, who knows, it was eight o'clock. I don't know what it was. Uh, and I said, thank God. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you're playing a U.S. open court. and it's. I mean, I don't know what the average because one of the highest average scores for any one round still to this day in U.S. Open history. Um, it was tough, so I said I'll be glad to come back in the morning and finish. So you know, you come out in the morning, it's beautiful. Uh, So yeah, that first day was kind of brutal. Um, yeah, and I I heard that they said Rory went, Ray Floyd won the U.S. Open on that first day because. He didn't hit the ball very well. I don't know how many greens he hit. He didn't hit many, but they said he got it up and down from everywhere. Had he not, he may not have won. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, yeah. It was it was a very memorable
1: week. Make, so uh, let's fast forward a couple of months after the California open that August. I read that you drove to check out a new course at the time, Pete Stadium course at PGA West. Talk about that course and how it inspired you to start Bringing a camera out when you started playing, whenever you were going to play.
3: Yeah, actually, uh, actually Tom and I, uh, were out in, uh, California desert, in La Quinta. We stayed at the La Quinta Hotel. It was like 40 bucks a night. It was in, it was in July or August. Uh, it was hot. I remember driving down Highway 111, but the sign said 120 degrees in the middle of the day. Uh, so yeah, we played the California Open. After we finished, somebody suggested that we go down the road to a new course, a new Pete Dye course at PGA West. And turns out it was the stadium course at PGA West that they had just finished. It was It's the sister course to Sawgrass. So we got up early and we played. because We wanted to play before it got really hot. Uh, they come to the ninth hole, and the ninth hole is part four, slight little dog lake to the right. I don't even know what to call it a dog lake. It just kind of curves a little bit. There's, there's this lake. There's a sand trap that runs almost the length of the lake. And you have railroad ties, you know, separating the sand from the lake and you know, the peat dye railroad ties and then the fairway and the green. And the backdrop is this mountain. So we hit our shot and I'm walking and it's big calm. And there's a perfect reflection of the mountain in the water. Um, incidentally, the hole is called reflection. Uh, no doubt why. And I looked at this and I said, wow, this is really beautiful. And didn't have cell phones at that time. I said, I gotta go home, I gotta bring, start bringing a camera with me. So it was that scene that inspired me to go home, get a camera and start taking with me. And I, you know, subsequently did and just could take a camera with me taking pictures of my friends or the courses I played and I remember I would hang them up in my bedroom, you know, the whole it was a little like, you know, 8 by 10 but I had the whole top of my wall lined with these photos I had taken of all the courses I played. Little did I know what it was going to amount to years later.
1: <laughs> so enter our mutual friend Tom Patry who is near and dear to both of our hearts and he was, I believe, the head golf professional at Westchester Country Club and you were an assistant pro there and T P suggests something to you about the pictures you're taking. Do you mind sharing that story?
3: Yeah, no, not i um well I I was working at Quaker Ridge and John um John Kennedy got the director of golf head John Kennedy was the director of golfer head pro and um Tom, I believe, went there as the director of instruction, and he called me and said, would you be interested in coming over here? So we paused, and I said, yes. Uh, so I don't remember which year it was, my first or second year, um, photos of the golf course, just for fun, like I had been doing. So he suggested uh, that, why don't you put some photos in the pro shop? Um, they're in the Buick Classic, because, you know, the Buick Classic used to be there every year in June. And I kind of laughed and I thought that was pretty funny, right? Like, like a joke, like, who the hell's going to buy these things? So I did. And, um you know, lo and behold, it's like the Monday or the Tuesday during the pro-am, a number of them sold. So I had to get some more. I had to get some more made frame to put them back in because somebody had bought them. And yeah, that's how it got started. You know, I did it at a few other clubs in the area. And you know, one thing led to the next and then clubs are asking me and it just it took off from there. That was kinda of, that was the start of it. Again, little did I know what it was going to amount to. I didn't um I never thought you could make a living as a photographer.
1: Now you're sort of the guy, have camera and ladder, oh by the way. Will travel. Talk about the places your photography has taken you that you never thought you'd have an opportunity to be.
3: Oh my god. Um Wow. Oh, um, I mean, well, I went. To, I've been to South Africa, but I don't know that it was because of my photography necessarily. It was more because I was playing golf. But I did go back there because of my photography. Uh, wow, all over uh, Ireland and Scotland, all over this country. Uh, you know, Mexico, Hawaii. You know, I don't know that I ever would gone to Hawaii or I probably would have ended up there, but not as many times as I did if it wasn't you know, I don't know how many times I've been to Hawaii ten. But mainly from photography all around Canada, the Caribbean. I don't know that I would have gone to the Caribbean as many times as I've been there. Just, you know, getting to go to some of these incredible resorts, you know, some really magnificent golf courses, private resort, um, that I yeah, I wouldn't have gotten to probably had it not been for my photography. Um, yeah, so I feel very fortunate.
1: You mentioned Ireland, Evan, and as, uh, you may have, uh, heard, I had Brent Thornford, the marketing director of Old Head Golf Links on in the last segment, and, and you've been there and taken some stunning pictures of that property. Talk about your experience at Oldhead.
3: Uh, okay, I've been there, I want to say, three or four times, I don't remember. Uh, recently, I think it was three or four years ago. Um, it is, wow, well, can I say this? It? It's one of, it's not the most stunning setting I've ever been to. I mean, I haven't been to New Zealand to, you know, Tara Edi or Cape Kidnappers or Kari um, Cliff yet, but uh, it, it's just incredible, stunning, location you know it's like Brent said it sits out on the headland uh, and it's this headland is this little peninsula that sticks out into the water I think the lighthouse might be two miles out I mean so this thing is it, it sticks out into the water a mile and a half or two one of the things that I I mean it all pushed and it has improved over the years because they've made some really really cool wonderful changes that it keeps improving one of the things that I was blown away with, you know, not just the setting and the beauty that the water is all around you, these incredible cliffs was and then Brent had talked about it, was the wildlife and the fauna, you know, the trees and the bushes and the flowers. I mean, I think they have they have species there and they have species of plants and animals that I don't think they have in too many other that are just, you know, indigenous just to that place. Um, so, you know, you walk around and you feel like you're in this wildlife sanctuary. That, that happens to have a golf course on it. Um, <laughs> oh by the way. Yeah, by the way, it's a golf course on it. And the town of Kingsdale is wonderful. It's beautiful. Little, just incredible harbor of great restaurants, great place to stay. It's just it's it's really idyllic. Uh you know, whether the you know the depending the, regardless of the weather, you know, it could be I've had beautiful days Windy days, rainy days. So, uh, yeah, it's, there's no shortage of incredible beauty there. Yeah I, yeah, I could spend you know weeks there photographing that place and never get tired of it. No doubt.
1: Evan, just yeah. a couple more before I let you go. And I love the shot you have available on your website. Um, of the 18th hole at St. Andrews and the story behind how you were able to get it. It's that elevated picture of the 18th hole. Do you mind sharing that story? I'm amazed you found all these things.
3: Um, Yeah, so we had gone to St. Andrews. I don't remember if it was my first or second trip there and the weather was, I mean, I think for four days I just watched it rain, basically. So the one day Finally, the sun comes out one day and I want to get up, you know, I didn't have a drone then. This was, you know, back before people were really using drones. Uh, I wanted, and you know, I didn't have a helicopter. I wanted to get up high, photograph the 18th hole, you know, the first and the 18th hole run right next to each other. And I thought, well, you know, the, the, the old course hotel is there. So I thought, wow, they I not crawl up on the roof. Get something from up there. So we go into the hotel, and I said, "Is there a way to get to the roof?" Nobody seems to know. Or we go up to the restaurant. There's a restaurant up there. So I we get in the elevator, go up to the restaurant. I said, "Listen, can I go out on your patio there and want to take some?" No. I do. I just want to go out there for a few minutes and take some. But no. Okay. And I I realized that there's floors above the re- the restaurant, and God, there's gotta be a way to get on the roof. So I'm going down all these hallways, stairways, trying to figure out. My wife was getting real nervous. that we're gonna get in trouble. And I said, I don't care. Uh, you know what? The worst, the worst thing's gonna happen is they're gonna kick us out. So I finally find the staircase and there's a, I guess I take it all the way up and I, I think this goes to the roof, but I couldn't open the door. So I'm like kicking it. And <laughs> <laughs> so I finally <laughs> the door. I got this door open and I'm on the roof. What? I made it around and I got of has this ledge, so I crawl up on the ledge and look right down on the eighteenth and the first hall that's perfect. That's <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Evan, you've taken photos uh for the Masters Journal now for several years. What was it like being yeah. asked to come to Augusta National to take photos for them?
3: Um it was uh well I'll tell you my I was actually Golf Digest, uh, publishes the Masters Journal for Augusta. And I knew some people at Golf Digest, uh, Mike Johnson, who's still there, who's the equipment editor. He and I had grown up playing junior golf together. And they were looking for somebody to do, not their staff guys, their staff guys there, you know, were there shooting the action. They wanted somebody to do a special assignment, be there to do a special assignment, calls me and said, hey, do you want to do this? yeah sure so the guy who publishes um the master's journal gave me a call said hey we want you to come down for the week um to shoot the you know to shoot the tournament for us you know there's they had all these different things they wanted me to shoot special assignments but i bet i mean other than that i had free reign to go you know shoot whatever i wanted to um so yeah essentially spend a week at the master i mean it, there's a lot of walking wow what's what the great thing is they give you uh, They give you an assistant who carries all your equipment because, I'm telling you, walking up and down those hills is, for a week, is a lot. I mean, you talk about having shin splints at the end of the week. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it was, it was, it was an incredible experience. My first year there, uh, was 2005. And that's the year that Tiger chipped in. Yeah. You remember? From behind, the, yeah. So I was All right. Yeah, there's a spot. So the grandstand on the 15th, to the right of the 15th hole. If you get in the top right-hand corner, you can look down right on the because this the 16th hole runs behind the 15th green. So the if you get in the back, you're up in the grandstand to the right of the 15th, up in the back right. You essentially look right down on the 16th green. Right there. So I got to know this member, and I said, "Boy, I'd really like to get up here, you know, Sunday afternoon." And he said, "Well, if you come here early, right, I'll save you a spot, but you got to get here like, you know, two hours early." So I had my assistant go there, essentially, go sit in that spot because those grandstands are packed and you can't even get in on Sunday. Right. I had him go up. I had him go up to the top right. And sit there and hold the spot so I came and he moved out basically sat on the aisle and I sat in the upper right hand corner when tired came through so when he chipped in I was in I was right there looking right down I mean it was the grand I'd never heard a roar that loud in my life the grandstand shook wow yeah what a um, tremendous but, moment yeah that was pretty I mean it was I'd never heard a, a, a yell that loud at the golf tent. <laughs> explosion. No uh, doubt. Yeah, so that was pretty cool.
1: Well, Evan, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they, first of all, check out your website and everything you've got available on that and then keep up yeah. to date with all the great things you're doing by following you on social media.
3: Yeah, uh, dot com. pretty easy. I mean, the Google Evan Schiller, it'll come up. Uh yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's basically if you search Evan Schiller photography, you can find it on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of all of them. Um so you can see, you know, I'm probably the most active on Instagram and uh LinkedIn, but I do post on others as well. So yeah, you can kind of follow along with what I'm doing there. Because I usually wherever I'm on a shoot, um, And we usually post some images from where I am. So, yeah. Well, Evan. I've made a lot of friends through uh, social media, so we keep in touch.
1: Well, Evan, it's been a huge thrill having you as part of the show and so many other things I'd love to get into with you. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime.
3: That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to. That would be great. Yeah, I know. You could talk forever, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. You've got so many great experiences and so much of your... Photography is, like I said, I think you're the best photographer on the planet. Uh, your use of light is something that, uh, I don't think anybody else does. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. I'd, I'd sure love to spend some more time with you sometime.
3: That would be great. Thank you so much for having me on. We would appreciate
1: it. Absolutely. Thank you, Evan. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right. You got it. That was a great Evan Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R is the spelling of his last name. EvanSchillerPhotography.com is the name of his site. And you can follow him on Twitter, again, at Evan underscore Schiller on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Folks, you take a look at his pictures and you're going to be blown away. Absolutely spectacular stuff. I enjoy it. I'm going to be ordering some uh, pictures, particularly of Old Head. And how great was that story about how he got the picture of the 18th at St. Andrews? Can't not get that photo after hearing that story. I look forward to having Evan back on the show again a little bit later on this year. Before I get to my next guest, Stu Sackowitz, I want to give a shout out to a few more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment? Maybe a new driver? I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z and get Squares 30-day money back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, Distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor, Bionic Loves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. whether you're looking... To own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Loves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Loves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador M.B. Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory, and she did so using Zexio 11 Woods and 10 Irons. See how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now back with me here on Next on the T.S. is Stu Sakowitz. Stu is the founder and inventor of Pine Valley Orthotics. He is also an orthopedic specialist and has been in the shoe business for well over 40 years. And if you're like me and you deal with feet, ankle, knee, or back pain, particularly during or following your round of golf, then you're going to want to pay close attention to what Stu has developed and what he has to say. You can check out his insoles and orthotics at pinevalleyorthotics.com, and I'm happy to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Stu, thanks for coming back on the show.
0: Nice to nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You just said something that I don't make insoles. I make orthotics. There's a very big difference between an insole and an orthotic. An insole is something that you get in every shoe, and it's a lining, it's a cushioning. An orthotic is a device which will stabilize the entire foot for pressure from heel to toe, more in the arch, reducing the pressure in the heel and the toe, but there's a big difference between an insole and my orthotic. Uh, my orthotics are as close to a custom orthotic as you possibly can get. Um, a little bit about me. I'm an uh, an orthotist, a podiatrist. I'm licensed by the state to fill prescriptions, and I work from anything from the knee down. So my story is I tore my own Achilles, and if anybody's ever done that, it's almost, you almost always need surgery. So I invented this device that returns the blood flow to the heel. The way that my device works, it elongates from heel-toe. Um, and it matches the biomechanics of the way feet walk. I use the these materials that nobody else does in an over-the-counter um, orthotic. And that's really been my secret so i cured myself and i took this device to michael breed who at that time was on the golf channel now he's uh on the radio and i showed it to him and the minute he put them on he fell in love with it and that's the kind of result that i get from anybody new that tries my orthotics on they feel so different so supportive without them being hard or intrusive so uh, that's the beginning of my story.
1: So let's take that a step further, Stu, because you've also uh, done some work in the past with Hank Haney, and you were able to really help him after he had an injury as well, right?
3: Well, Hank, Hank has become a uh, um, a player of um, uh,
0: um, racquetball. And what happened was he tore his own uh, Achilles tendon and was suffering from that and plantar fasciitis. So I contacted Hank way before he ever tore this, and I gave him my orthotics and he said, ah, I'm not interested in this. And then after he tore his Achilles, he called me on the phone and he said, uh, now I want to try these uh, your orthotics within a week. I had all his pain gone, and within two weeks, he was playing pickleball, which now he likes better than than anything else. He's more of a pickleball player than he is a almost a golfer. he's obsessed with pickleball, and I actually cured his his tear. I'm not sure how big the tear was in the Achilles, but he said that it was torn, and he said, without my orthotics, you know he could have never done that so what happened was Net. I went on the radio with him and between him and Michael Breed, my business just has exploded, absolutely exploded. Um, I make these all by hand. This is not some prefab, um, device. This is completely handmade out of four different layers of material, which cost me about $50. Most, most insoles for what they consider orthotics. They sell for less than $50. So my device is as close to a custom orthotic as you could possibly get. The minute you put them in your shoes, golf shoes, sneakers, um, you could play tennis, racquetball. I sold them the Chicago White Sox. Anything that you're on your feet, if you have a foot injury, uh, the minute you put these into your shoes, you're going to feel something very different, very supportive. They feel terrific without it feeling intrusive. That that's the whole secret with my orthotic. Um I've been making custom orthotics my whole life and I've been playing with polymers. Polymer is a special material uh that a lot of things are made with polymers. Basically it's a it's a plastic. And my plastic has an energy return system. And what that means is when you step down on it, it's brings back. And it elongates, matching the biomechanics of the way feet walk. So if you have any injuries, plantar fasciitis, heel spurs, bad back, bad knees, uh, any any kind of injuries, the minute you put my orthotics into your shoes, you're going to feel something that your feet, your back, your knees, your hips, everything feels better. Immediately, if you have a bad back, your spine is going to be A couple of degrees straighter, which I'm in this business my entire life, over 45 years, and I've never really come across a material like this inside any orthotic that I've ever seen. So for $99, I do a lot of good for a lot of people. We're selling these for uh, about a little over three years, and I've sold 30,000 pairs of them,
3: which is pretty neat. You have it. uh, a
1: design for dress shoes as well, right? I,
0: I have, I have a dress shoe, which is a three quarter orthotic, which is the same material inside, but it will fit in a, in a boat shoe, a, a thin sole dress shoe. Somebody that's on their feet, you could be a banker. You could be, uh, uh on a boat with a thin sole dress shoe where there wouldn't be room in that kind of shoe to take, uh, to fit the full dress the full golf orthotic. So. I have the dress orthotics, I have the golf orthotics, and those are really the only two products that I sell. Uh, the name of my company is Pine Valley Orthotics, and I do something that, I, I've become a big business at this point, but I do something that nobody else does. I answer my own telephone. I talk to people every single day, um, depending on you know what's going on with their feet, and I always make the same offer. Call me on the phone, I can help you. I'll do the best I can to help you. And my phone number is 866-443-7463. And what I what I do is I I'll I'll evaluate your situation. You're welcome to call me. If I can help you, we'll try the orthotics. And I always sell them with a money back guarantee. I if they don't feel good, I never ever want anybody spending their money. I'm um, something that I invented, that I designed, that has my name on it, um, I'll gladly refund your money. Gladly. So uh I think I'm a small business that's not so small anymore, but I still treat it like a small business. And it's important to me. It's always my reputation when somebody wears my orthotics, Pine Valley orthotics. And, you know, that's me. If you don't like them, I don't want you to spend your money. I'll give you your money back. So, uh, pretty neat. And I'm so proud of what I do and the way that I do business. My phone rings every day. Um, my wife actually, uh, at this point, you know, she said, you gotta, you can't do this. You gotta have somebody answer the phone for you, but I won't do it. I, I will not do it. It's, uh, my
1: business. It's me. And, and Stu, so you uh, talk about how you're ortho- uh, orthotic also help create balance and stability and proper weight shift in our golf swing. How do they help do that?
0: Okay, so so what happened is I'm a golf crazy person. I'm 68 years old. I'm still a uh, four index. Um, I live, eat, and sleep golf. So what I did is I pitched the heel in two degrees. So when you're standing at a dress, the weight of your foot is on the inside part of your heel. You can't rock too far, for, too far back or too far forward. So it addressed, it kind of centers you. And Michael Breed from the golf channel says that, you know, he, he gets uh, about three miles an hour more club head speed with my orthotic. I, I have to be honest, I never invented it for anything other than bad, bad back, bad feet, bad hips, bad knees. Um, but the balance that comes with my orthotics is, very, very, um, kind of special because of the way that I pitch the heel in. So when you make that shoulder turn, it actually allows you to make that turn a little bit, uh, easier and way, way more consistent. And that, that's, that's golf. If you're consistent, you feel good, um, you're going to play better. Uh, the game's hard enough that, uh, if your feet are killing you your back is killing you, um, you know it's really hard to to go lower to to shoot a good score uh my my orthotics are just phenomenal for people that walk the course that when you get to that 13th 14th hole you're tired you're back hurts um my orthotic is going to make you feel good at the end of this round and if they don't I give you back your money uh and I, I'm happy to do it my success rate is about I get back three or four out of every hundred that I sell. And most of the time, the people never tried it or they couldn't fit it into the right shoe. Um But, you know, I, I'm happy to do that. And I'm really, really proud of what I do. They're, all of these orthotics are made in my own uh, factory in New Jersey, all by hand. Each one takes about 15 minutes to make. And the orthotic is made up of four different layers. One of the layers costs me about thirty dollars a pair. It's a plasto, which is a diabetic material that's uh about three sixteenths of an inch thick. It's odor proof. It's well, uh, odor proof, waterproof. And the best thing about the material, it never compresses, so it doesn't flatten out. Uh, so I put everything that I know after making four, uh, orthotics for 40 years into these uh, orthotics and my success rate's just been amazing. We have uh, close to 30,000 golfers wearing my orthotics or people that are just not playing golf or just on their feet all day long. So I feel so fortunate to be able to do this. I love talking to people. Once again, call me on the phone. Um and, and I'll talk to you about your feet and I'll be honest with you too. If you tell me, if I don't think I can help you, then I'm going to say, Hey, you know, um, I, I really do not help you. And my phone number is 866-443-7463. Uh, this business is me and, and I'm proud. I'm, I'm I don't have a big ego. Um, I have about 20 tour pros that, to, are wearing my orthotics, and I might have 2,000 PGA pros wearing my orthotics. Uh, we sell them in some uh, some stores. Uh, I don't love to do that. I like, you know, selling them online better. The name of my company is PineValleyOrthotics.com.
1: Stu, just a couple more before I let you go. But you you have an original version, and now you're out with the 2.0 version. What changed from the original to uh, to the new version?
0: Okay, so I have made the, this is my, probably my last and final version. I've changed my orthotic 12 different times. Uh, I constantly play with, um, with materials and combinations of different materials. The polymer inside, which is the plastic, my energy return system is patented. When you step down, it springs back. So when you walk down that fairway, uh, and at the end of the round, your feet, your back, your knees, uh, your hips are all going to feel better. If you can picture this, your feet elongate with every step that you take. My orthotic elongates with every step you take. But we have to provide full contact with your heel, your arch, and the ball of your foot. So most orthotics are very hard, very stiff, very rigid. And they're intrusive to your back, knees, and hips. Hey, they may hold up your arch. Um, but they're not they're not going to feel that good. They're gonna feel hard. The minute you put my orthotics, Pine Valley orthotics on under your feet, you feel something that your feet like. Uh I never get a pair of back saying, Hey, they're too hard, they're this, they're that people wear them and my phone rings too. you did a miracle. My back felt so much better, my hips felt so much better. Um and that that's such a rewarding feeling for me. Uh, because this is me. I started from the beginning with this. Uh I have I have people that'll drive two hours for me to make them custom orthotics Uh because again, I take care of uh of my my patients and my customers, nobody else, because it's important to me, it's me, it's a reflection of me, my business and the way that I do business. So uh there's not many businesses anymore that people actually care. And I do. I really do. So it's uh, kind of a nice feeling uh, to have that. We sell them for ninety nine dollars. We sell them for ninety nine dollars, always with a money back guarantee. And I'm happy to give you back your money if if you don't uh, if you don't like them. Uh, I have no problem with that, and I always make that offer because I don't get any back. Uh, the shoes nowadays they're made poorly. They really are. You could spend two hundred dollars, and the shoes are just there's no support. A lot of these shoes are light, they're soft. Um, you know, that, that's okay for the first hour or two, but not, you know, not to walk 18 holes or, you know, or if you have foot problems, you have plantar fasciitis, which is one of the most debilitating things that you can have. My orthotics are like a miracle cure for plantar fasciitis. Uh, you're going to get out of bed two, two mornings and you can barely walk. You wear my orthotics for a couple of days. And next thing you know, you got out of bed. No pain. Not, not many, you know, without having all those injections and steroids and going to the doctor and spending $450 for custom orthotics that are hard and are intrusive. You know, my Pine Valley orthotics are just, they're a gift. They're really a gift to bad feet, bad back, bad
1: knees. Do, you shared the phone number a couple of times, but uh, let our listeners know again, how can they go online, get themselves a pair of your orthotics, and then order it? And, um, and then also, you know, stay up to date with all the great things that you continue to do.
0: So my website is com, and my phone number is 866-443-7463. I get about 50 phone calls a day. Um, if I'm on the phone or I need to call you back, just leave me a message. I promise I'll get back to you. And once again, if I can help you, I'm going to, and I'm also going to be honest with you. If there's something that I can't help you with, I'm just going to tell you, hey, you know, I, I, I cannot help you. So, uh, give me a call, try my orthotics. You don't have much to lose except for your pain. Um, 99 bucks will be the best $99 you ever spent. My orthotics will last you a couple of years. You can move them from shoe to shoe or you could buy more if you love them. And that's, that's my whole deal. Pinevalleyorthotics.com. Handmade in New Jersey.
1: Dude, I can't thank you enough for coming back and and sharing more of your story and your insights with us. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope you'll keep us up to date and come back and join us again soon.
0: And I can't thank you enough for having me. I I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm just a normal guy. I don't have a big ego. Um, I just, try to help people and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it and that, that's the way that I do business which nowadays is unusual but thanks again for thanks having me continue success with your uh with your podcast
1: I appreciate it very much Stu stay safe my friend all the best to you and your family we'll catch up soon
3: thanks so much bye-bye thank you Stu
1: all right folks it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of next on the tea my sincere thanks go out to Brent Dornford, Evan Schiller, and Stu Sackowitz for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, folks, at nextonthetee.net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Padry, for a milestone episode of the show. It'll be Tom's 50th appearance with me here. We also have 1992 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, and now one of the top on-course broadcasters, Mark Carnival, will be back with us. And then we're going to round out the show with another one of the top instructors in the game, Long Beach Golf Hall of Famer, Joe Groman, will be back. So a great show on tap for you next week. I hope you come back and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting site like podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, Player.fm, Odyssey. Go on there and subscribe to the show. If you enjoy it, please do me a favor and go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. If you go onto their website and click on Hot 50 that you'll see right at the top, you'll get a drop-down list. And then just click on Hot 50 voting and then type in the name of the show next on the T. And then my name, Chris Mascaro, is host. I can't thank you enough for helping us last month go up from 44 to 39. I really appreciate your support. Hopefully we can get the show into the top 25. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make next on the tee a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.